Welcome to the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. If you haven't joined us before, we're passionate about all things internal medicine and helping you become the best tech you can be. We'll be discussing interesting internal medicine diseases, how to work closely with pet parents, and how to become the go-to tech in your practice. Now, let's start the show. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. I hope everybody is doing well, and thank you so much for making a commitment to learning. It's been a week. I am your <laughs> <laughs> I am your host. I am Jordan Porter, joined by the uh, also frazzled Yvonne Brandenburg. <laughs> um, I think you mean it's been two weeks. <laughs> Dude, I, I looked at the date today, and I was like, holy crap. <laughs> it's I know, I'm like... February. <laughs> I have a couple of things that I literally have to get done in the next couple of days and I might pull an all-nighter. I don't even know. Oh. <laughs> just like, oh, yeah. whoops. Uh, yeah, it's whew, between oh, weather. <laughs> yeah, your guys' weather. I mean, like, dude, someone in California pissed someone. Like, oh, I so bad. <laughs> oh my God, it's been crazy. Like, it's actually the last like two or three days has been the only days that hasn't rained. And I think in the last month, I don't even know how long it's been, but it has been insane. And there's been crazy flooding I know. and like power has been an issue. I've been fairly fortunate. Like I've only had a couple of issues, but not bad. Whereas like, dude, some of my coworkers, like one girl was like trapped at her house because there were like two landslides near her house so like she couldn't leave her street yeah for the weekend and then like somebody else had like their tree blow down in their yard and like she had to go do and it's just been we had a tree in our like on our property blow down but like it wasn't a very big tree and it had been dead like it it was probably like a 10 foot tree that was probably like three four feet wide like it was little Mm -hmm. (laughs) um so it didn't really do anything, but yeah, it's been, it's been crazy and like trying to sell the house and, oh, just like, I'm so over it. <laughs> like I just uh, yeah. want the house to sell so I can move to Oregon and settle and get back into a normal routine. What Whatever yeah. that is, a normal routine would be nice. <laughs> Yeah, it's <sighs> my life isn't as uh crazy as yours. I am battling my ulcer. I know because it really like it is normal. Like I've been doing stuff. Like I'm prepping yeah. for my uh conference next month. Uh, I'm trying to sign the kids up for sports because now it's like I'm at the like at the mm. start point for us to sign up for like spring sports. But then that turned into me. Just a note for whoever has preteens out there, never, ever rely on your kid to like, let you know information if you're supposed to sign them up for something. Because <laughs> I made that mistake. <sighs> was like, hey, like, I think she told me like the last day of soccer signups that it was like soccer signups. And so I was like, okay, so then like we tried to sign up and they're like, oh, signups are done or whatever. And I was like, what? And then like, just out of like happenstance, uh, I like just swung by the school and I was like, so I know you said signups were done, but I see tryouts aren't until next week, blah, blah, blah. Like if she can't join, like no big deal. I just figured I'd ask, but then they were like, yeah, of course she can. And I was like, okay. So I had to then go run around like all day yesterday. Like I thought we could 
use Bailey's physical that she just had when she got vaccines done, um, which I could, but then that required me going up to the pediatrician's office, which was like 30 minutes away. And like, they didn't let me know until like late Friday that it was ready. And I was like, (laughs) okay. (laughs) Um, so then I went to urgent care and got her a sports physical there. And then like, my eye ulcer too. So like I've been to the doctor a lot in the past like week, but like, <laughs> and then like work, like I did get a promotion at work, which was nice, but oh, it's, nice. it's turned into like a lot of like several people got promotions. So, uh, like, so training, like the new <laughs> leads and things like that. And like, oh, yeah. kind of just like, it, it made it for like a week of just meetings and meetings and meetings and meetings. Yeah. And so like this coming week, luckily, like my schedules like finally opened up because like, I no longer have to like communicate all these changes to people. Um, crazy. Yeah. So that's, that's, uh, I feel like there's probably more that has happened in the past <laughs> two weeks, but I'm sure <laughs> that's all I can remember right now. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. So sorry that we did not post anything last week. If you listen to our podcasts live, it, I feel like the, the winter holiday break just kind of steamrolled <laughs> and we were like oh yeah oh my god we have to record and then it was like the weather and like mm-hmm. craziness and Jordan didn't have power for a hot minute and then it was like I oh, can't yeah. record because I had my open hat like it was just it was crazy so we're back at it today <laughs> hopefully <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how we go we did get um we did get a review this was in December and we didn't really record anything afterwards. So now, now we'll do it. But this one, it's kind of cute. It's from pictures of you. Um, and it says amazing. I'm actually a Spotify listener, but I purposely redownloaded Apple podcasts to write this review. Um, sorry that it's difficult to put reviews anywhere, but Apple, <laughs> Uh, as a second year veterinary student with ADHD, by the way, congratulations. That's, I can't even imagine. Um, I cannot stress how amazing this podcast is for me. The girls are so fun to listen to and so informative. I feel like I am discussing vet med with my friends, which makes the information so easy to digest. The way the episodes are organized, make it easy to follow along and look for a specific topic. I'm an uh, avid podcast listener and to have another way of obtaining information is life-changing for my studying. Y'all are amazing, amazing, amazing. Thank you so much for the podcast. Truly life-changing. P.S. I've already recommended this podcast to so many of my fellow veterinary students. You rock. By the way, that's amazing. I love it. That is amazing. I actually, it's crazy how many people I've heard that just use the podcast to study for either school or boards or, you know, not just for <laughs> listening I mean, to our amazing voices. <laughs> <laughs> it, I, I get it. It would be nice. I mean, that's why we did it. Right. It's yeah, I, yeah. We were looking for other ways to study for the VTS stuff. So it's like, that's true. <laughs> but yeah, if I could go back and like, actually like listen, like while I'm cleaning, because like, I'm not yeah. actually paying attention, but it still goes in, right. Like it's still yeah. there somewhere. It goes into the back of your brain and you kind of hear, it's like when you hear words, not repetitively, but when you hear language and it, it is similar language, you, you, you start to really absorb it. Um, and I wish I would have had something like this when I was going to school. Cause I commuted quite a bit, um, between school and then going to work. There was a lot of in my car time, 
So I would have loved to have done a podcast or listened to a podcast while commuting. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so Spe- I'm glad you of, guys can use it. <laughs> right. Speaking of getting more education out there, we do have a new CE coming up. I guess not new. We're, you know, so it's this a repeat, one, but it's a good one. It's my favorite one. <laughs> yeah, we are repeating this one because um, we did have some requests for it. Um, plus, you know, we love this one. Um, and it's been it's been almost a year since we did this one. Um, so we're we're doing it in February. So because why not talk about blood uh, transfusions <laughs> and blood in February? You know, it's heart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think I think it's fine. So anyway, uh Saturday, February 25th, 2023, we will be discussing blood transfusions. That's gonna be just me, right? Or are you gonna uh, be there I think too? the 25th, I should be able to be there. It all depends on if I'm moving. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, so we had to move it back a week later than we normally do just because um conferences I think you're at a conference one weekend then I'm at a conference the next weekend and so that was the earliest that we could do it um so so it is a little bit later than normal but we wanted to keep your you know your February CE um so we're doing blood transfusions uh and um if oh before I forget if you want to sign up for the CE because this is our um IMFE team monthly membership CE so if you're part of the membership uh remember this is free to you guys it's part of being in the membership so just sign up um there's links on the dashboard in the membership or you can go to internalmedicineforvettechs.com/events we'll have it posted there we also have it in the newsletter um, so either way you can sign up, uh, if you're a membership, if you're in the membership for free, if you're not a member, you can always join any of our monthly CEs. Um, there is a fee associated if you're not a, a member. So, um, just know that, but you're always welcome to join us. Uh, we are totally okay with that. It does get you an hour of race approved CE. Um, so just know that that is our monthly offering. And I think this week we're going to be talking about lung lobe torsion, which is horrifying, but also really, really kind of cool. It is kind of cool. I mean, it sucks, but like, I mean, yeah. uh, okay, first off, we're an inter, everything sucks. But like, everything everything's sucks. Interesting. <laughs> this is so true. <laughs> everything sucks for the pet. It was funny because like uh, at work today, I just happened to pick up a chat and I was talking to someone about their cat's like squinty eye and she's like yeah he's had an ulcer before I was like I feel him I have an ulcer right now like and I really do wish I had an e-collar so I didn't rub my eye (laughs) (laughs) you're like trying to get over it you're like I can't reach it (laughs) I know because Matt and I joked Matt fell and hurt himself yesterday too so I was like bandaging his hand yesterday and I was like you need an e-collar because he kept like messing with the bandage and I was like stop it like just stop it and then I, he's I was like you couldn't like reach your hand into an e-collar and like get to your mouth and he's like yeah I could just put my head down and like I was like ah. oh he's breaking phallic it's fine yeah, exactly <laughs> I was like your arms are too short and he's like that's rude and I was like little Probably. t-rex arms what yeah <laughs> anyway, anyway that has nothing to do with lung lobe torsion um so this week we are talking about lung lobe torsion which is an uncommon condition where it is what it sounds like it is the lung lobe mm-hmm. twists on its pedicle inside the chest and um and remember in dogs and cats that it's not just two lobes it's not like a left lobe and a right lobe 
there are multiple lobes. Um, so I think we talked about that in the respiratory basics episode, right? Yeah, I think we did too. Um, we must I hope we did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also, if not, well. <laughs> well, then someone's going to be Googling how many lung lobes there are. <laughs> right? <laughs> anyway, so typically the most commonly affected lung lobes are going to be your left cranial and your right middle lung lobes. But technically, torsion has been reported in all lung lobes. It's kind of like heart lung disease. It's like, you know, it's prevalent in like specific areas. But (laughs) technically, it's happened everywhere. Everywhere. Um, So what happens is like the long, narrow shape of the, specifically the right middle lung lobe is more predisposed to torsion specifically just because, because of its shape and its length, it has a little bit more mobility, which and able to like twist and not do all that stuff to me it kind of makes me think of like our deep chested dogs that are more prone to just bloat because their stomach it's big and then they tours and it's the same kind of idea like if you have the space unfortunately potential (laughs) did i spoil no i didn't spoil (laughs) anything (laughs) yeah you did no we didn't not yet we're not there yet (laughs) that's what that's what makes it a spoiler Yvonne we're not there yet (laughs) fine whatever (laughs) anyway um so it is speculated though that sometimes like a partial like collapsed lung lobe can lead to increased mobility which makes logical sense right like if you deflate something and it's like in a confined space and generally it has more room to move um other things that can cause lung lobe torsions are going to be like neoplasia because cancer does what it wants, trauma, yeah. chronic respiratory disease, or even previous thoracic surgery. Uh, we yeah. can actually create lung lobe torsions, which is yeah, um, and it, and it's crazy because the ones that I've seen, I think it was just like idiopathic, like we couldn't figure out why it happened. It just same, yeah, ra- randomly happened. Yeah, same. I haven't seen any. En- Knock off. well I don't work in practice anymore I guess I don't have to knock on wood <laughs> right <laughs> you're not going in on surgery tonight on that you're good <laughs> I know watch me get like called in be like hey uh, you help. And, and you're like no <laughs> I'm not doing it <laughs> like, thanks Yvonne <laughs> so a lot of times though what happens when there is a lung lobe portion as one can guess just like in a gdv there's going to be obstruction of like venous supply and lymphatic Mm. supply as well so but in this area in this case it'd be to the bronchus and the arterial supply though does tend to be safe like it tends to be okay so what can happen though is then we do end up having severe congestion and consolidation of the affected lung lobe Mm -hmm. hopefully only Mm -hmm. one and then sometimes even if that were to happen then we can see pleural effusion or pneumothorax sometimes yeah I would imagine like if you've still got blood pumping into that area but like the venous is like cut off that means stuff's still going in but nothing's able to really come out that's horrifying <laughs> like, it like makes my chest tight thinking about I know it's like oh that's why you get congestion in that lung lobe because it's Which- like we're just gonna keep going in it's funny because like when I was like doing my research, I was like, it was talking about how it does occur in humans. And I was like, great. One more thing to worry about. Oh, <laughs> I'm sure all the stuff we talk about happens in people. I mean, probably. <laughs> I don't know. We're not a people show. So it's cool. Yeah. Unless I'm talking about my own medical issues, like my eye ulcer. Uh, 
my work you guys missed my, it she totally squinted she's like oh i know my boss was trying to talk me into wearing an eye patch to our meeting on friday because we have like a <laughs> weekly like department meeting totally do it just a pirate eye patch you're like I know. how's it going Arr. yeah cool but like I didn't want to make the extra stop. Like I did swing by the pharmacy mm. to pick up my eye drops, but I didn't go inside because like I was doing this on my lunch break where I was right. just like, all right, let me go. Just if anybody cares, uh, telemedicine doesn't do eye ulcers. I don't blame them. For humans. Me either. I tried it to try it because I was like, they're like, do you have a desmetaseal? And you're like, no, I don't, but I will make sure. <laughs> yeah. She was like, I think your eye needs a stain. And I was like, that's a valid recommendation. Uh, but it's so funny because then when I went to the urgent care they didn't stain it at all they just gave me eye drops and I was like all right (laughs) doctor preference well the doctor was really great he's like what what makes you think it's an eye ulcer I was like well I've had one before I was like and I'm also a vet tech who's treated them before Uh, (laughs) and I was like so I generally know what they look like or whatever and like I can see it and he was like so he's asking me questions and he's like, well, if you've had one before, then you've probably been, like, know exactly what you're doing. I was like, yeah. <laughs> like, you're like, unfortunately. <laughs> and he, he was like, what do you guys normally prescribe for eye ulcers and animals? So I told him, I was like, Neopoly back usually. I was like, obviously we stay away from steroids. He's like, cool. That's what I was going to go for too. So then I was like thinking it as I left my appointment, because I was telling him about all the things that we do. And then, but like, you're like wait you didn't stain my eye <laughs> I guided like I guided the- well and I thought he was gonna stain my eye because he put preparacaine in it and then he just flushed 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 and he's like yep it's not moving and I was like I did that already but yeah like <laughs> oh my gosh it's so funny we're, we're getting off topic here enough about my eyeball uh so as Yvonne, so perfectly spoiled even though she doesn't think she did this can occur <laughs> it's predisposed to be in large deep chested dogs especially our sight hounds but i and- see i was talking about the stomach not the the lungs it's not my yes. fault that deep chested things are predisposed to twisting things in more than one location <laughs> yeah right that would suck what if you twisted your lung and your stomach oh what a surgeon's nightmare <laughs> I bet you oh my happen. god that sounds that'll horrible. be our question of the week question of the week yeah who Ooh. has scrubbed in <laughs> on a gdv and lung lobe torsion it was probably hit by you? car i bet you it was. yeah seriously Sorry. uh okay. so man we're all over the place today can you tell we haven't done this in a hot minute right just so, when we got that compliment that our our show is so easy to follow just kidding we're all over the place today well you know you're we welcome to, <laughs> we had to put those comments to the work <laughs> <laughs> we, we had to prove it wrong <laughs> so in our large deep chested dogs these guys usually tours are like at the right middle lung lobe i find it funny that it's like i mean i get why it's not the left just given anatomy <laughs> but yeah yeah it is it does seem very specific to be the right middle lung lobe and then uh we do have lung lobe torsions reported in small dogs uh small breeds specifically pugs which is the first ever oh, yeah, they've got those I ever saw crazy chests that makes sense yeah and we can see it in yorkies mini poodles beagles and some mixed breed dogs as well technically because this can be due to trauma it could happen in any dog right. but oftentimes it is idiopathic when we see it it has been reported in cats but not near as often as dogs and I then don't know if i've ever seen it in a cat I've never seen it in a cat. I've seen it in a pug, and mm. then I think a German Shepherd. 
I've seen it in a Great Dane, a lab, a couple of other ones that I can't remember, but yeah. Most <laughs> animals are typically between four and five years old and males are predisposed, which I do find interesting. Hmm. But do you think it's like, hmm. I'm sure people have seen that thing on Facebook where it's like something about like men getting hurt all the time because they do things. And there was like this meme about like some guy saying that he could jump out of a window into a pool. <laughs> and so like that's why yeah. men get hurt all the time yeah it's probably like that for dogs too yeah <laughs> like, i'm gonna chase after this ball oh yeah okay i ran into a wall that's fine like ran into a tree <laughs> chasing and did that before so interestingly we kind of touched on this already lung lobe torsions can be spontaneous so they just just kind of happen you can also see in patients with a chylothorax they can get lung lobe torsion which i think one of mine I don't know if it was a chylothorax or if it was a pyothorax. I remember there was fluid in the chest and I, and mm -hmm. I do think it was related to like a foxtail. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, foreign body, um, and, and it's possible, you know, it's one of those, like, did it go through that particular lung lobe to get into the rest of the chest cavity? Who knows? Um, so that's definitely one of those things, but the problem with lung lobe torsions is the clinical signs are weird. Like they, it's not like you can be like one specific thing, like, oh yeah, that's a lung lobe torsion. It's usually oh, no. these vague things. Um, yeah, it is often like vague when, yeah. if they, if they do have symptoms, like now, right. obviously like the more chronic this lung lobe torsion is, I was reading and it is actually like pretty uncommon to catch these like acutely like unless it is mm. something like a hit by a car and just like one of those like you were doing the the run of like diagnostics wow. or whatever and you catch yeah. it but most of the time because these do happen like spontaneously and idiopathically these aren't caught right away I like, wonder if it's one of those things too where you know how some of bloat dogs like they'll tours and then correct themselves. Yeah. I do wonder and then if that tours and then correct themselves. I wonder if that's something similar with the lungs, right? Like, I bet. yeah. Especially if, if you're talking about a chronic torsion, I bet you those are probably ones that will flip and twist, cause problems and then untwist. Yeah. Ugh. Mm, crazy. If pets do have clinical signs, often we're going to see things like dyspnea, lethargy, coughing. Uh, sometimes we can see acute respiratory distress, which is obviously going to be tachypnea or dyspnea. Um, we can see tachycardia on our physical exam or our TPRs and then pale mucous membranes as well. And then we're going to also have decreased lung sounds too and mm -hmm. local heart sounds. And sometimes even we can hear crackles on auscultation just because we can, we can develop a pleural effusion or a pneumothorax. So yeah. we don't tend to hear chest sounds as well. Yeah. So when we're talking about the differential diagnosis for lung lobe torsion, uh, infection, so pneumonia, we, we definitely have to look at that because consolidated lung lobe, right? I mean, we're, we're trying to figure out what's happening. Foreign body. So um, for us in California and on the West Coast, uh, foxtails, pulmonary edema, hemorrhage, um, atelectasis, and of course, neoplasia because cancer does what it wants. So those are, those are yeah. our differentials when we're looking on our x-rays or even if you're doing a thoracotomy. It's got to be tough. Like if you've done a thoracotomy, right. And then like, because just anesthesia in general, we can see atelectasis, right. Mm -hmm. So like, it's got to be tough to catch a lung lobe torsion, like post-op. 
Mm. You know? Like if they get one after surgery? Yeah, like if it was iatrogenic or something like that. Yeah. And then like- I think, I mean, I think that's something that they just keep a really close eye on because I've, I've had a couple of thoracotomies and like, I think it's just making sure that they feel better and don't get worse, right? And that's- yeah. If they start getting worse, then they start looking for potential torsions or all that other fun stuff that could be going on in there. Right. Uh, so diagnostics are always fun. You guys know the drill, chem, CBC, <laughs> probably T4UA, why not? Uh, nice. We can see some CBC abnormalities. And so what we can see is like a neutrophilic leukocytosis. We can even see an anemia because... Uh, Again, blood's not moving like it should. We're not oxygenating some of that blood very well. And then, of course, too, stress uh, can can cause some changes there. Our biochemistry, we can see abnormalities in the liver values as well as the kidney values. And then sometimes, too, we can see a reduced albumin. Again, a lot of times this is going to be like a stress response from the body, not really sure where the problem is, but they know that there's, a, like, the body knows that there's a problem. Right. But when it comes to like looking at the actual lung lobe torsion itself, we're going to want to start off with x-rays because again, we're going to want to look for that consolidation and emphysema. We can see that around the area of the affected lung lobe. And then as I've mentioned a couple of times already, we can see pleural effusion or pneumothorax. So those are going to be some big key indicators that there might be something <laughs> that there might be something that there is something going on in the chest. Mm. Um, we can also see like, because if a lung lobe tours, then it can become inflamed and angry and swell. And so what we'll see too sometimes is we can see a dis- displacement of the trachea or the bronchus. Wow. Not always, but sometimes. And then sometimes too, we might even see like a little mediastinal shift depending on the severity or where the lung lobe itself is, which, which one's affected. Crazy. Ideally, especially, I guess, d- depending on the clinical signs on presentation, pulse oximetry is always going to be great. It's not going to lead you to a specific diagnosis, but when we do gold standard of care, we should really try to make sure that when dealing with a a patient that is in respiratory distress or having any sort of respiratory symptoms that we try to obtain a pulse ox and anything. uh, (laughs) I like this, like this comment, because it says anything of 90% is terrible. (laughs) It doesn't even say bad. It just says terrible. Terrible. (laughs) Uh, And then two, we can look at our, um, uh, other, other values for hypoxemia. Sometimes we can do a thoracocentesis because again, if they have a pleural effusion, then we're going to want to get like a, a, a diagnostic sample of that fluid. So cytology is, is going to be helpful more to rule out other issues like cancer or, or bacteria. Infection or yeah. are we bleeding or, you know, what, what are we getting ourselves into before we do surgery? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so pleural effusion though, when it comes to lung lobe torsion specifically, we can see like a serosanguinous hemorrhagic fluid. It's often a modified transudate. And then sometimes too, there can be a neutrophilic inflammatory component, but we should not be seeing infectious agents like bacteria and stuff or fungus. Oh, fungus. Ugh. Fungus in the chest. Oh, seriously. We've That's had this worst. conversation before, but fungus is like worse than cancer. Yeah. We can also do an ultrasound of the chest as well, because what we can look for is like uh, some 
when we did this, we were looking for like a soft tissue density. Mm-hmm. Um, and then sometimes you can see like gas bubbles in the affected lung. So like, uh, yeah. it looks very it's bright weird. and like angry in the chest when you did it. And we're like, it made it very clear. Like, first off, you shouldn't be able to see the lungs in general when you're nope. doing an ultrasound <laughs> of the chest. They should like be it, nice and black. <laughs> yeah. Like it, it should just be like too much air to actually get those sound waves to like form a a reasonable picture yeah. <laughs> like so if you have a lung lobe torsion it often looks like like at first you're like oh like a God, mass is that a mass like yeah <laughs> and then you see those little air bubbles moving through and you're like oh uh-oh <laughs> yeah. you're like oh maybe not a mass yeah uh ct scan is definitely going to be more sensitive just because it, it's a ct scanner right like <laughs> it'll, it'll see through the air bubbles <laughs> yeah exactly and the bronchi can appear narrow in a CT scan. Sometimes you can even see like actual occlusions at the side of the torsion. Ooh, yeah. Uh, and it, it can be pretty obvious. I've never done a CT on a lung lobe torsion. Like we've always just kind of done x I definitely have, but I'm not sure if I looked at the, the CT images and was like, oh, that's what I'm looking for. Um, but we've definitely done them before surgery just to you know see like what are we dealing with kind of thing so Mm -hmm. yeah and you can see some vascular emphysema there too and then typically we're giving contrast in these ct studies just Mm -hmm. to cover all grounds right and you're not going to actually see like significant changes with the contrast when there's a lung a lung lobe torsion wow i ran through this but i guess it's pretty straightforward (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, typically how we treat this is surgical resection. Obviously you guys know, I, I don't have like a ton of experience with surgery. (laughs) I don't intend to, but surgery is going to be the treatment of choice. Prognosis really is going to depend on the underlying cause of the lung lobe Mm. torsion. I did learn an interesting fact though, that pugs seem to have a more favorable prognosis out of all the lung lobe torsions. If you're a pug, you have a favorable prognosis. That's because they're used to breathing funky anyways. I guess. (laughs) No, I mean, the surgical resections that I've helped with, like, they're, they're fairly straightforward. I mean, I think the biggest thing for technicians when, when you're helping with that is anytime you've got thoracic surgery, like you really need to have like really good uh, conversations with your surgeon, Mm -hmm. your patients on a ventilator because the chest is now open to atmosphere. So, you know, there's no negative pressure in there. Um, so you're going to have a patient on a ventilator. You just have to have that conversation of like when they're doing a specific, you know, if they're cutting something, (laughs) you might have to hold or turn off the respirator for, you know, a couple of seconds so that they can do what they need to do and then turn it back on when they're, you know, not cutting things. Um, but as far as like the rest of it, it's, it's usually more straightforward than some other surgeries can be. Um, it's definitely crazy. Um, because the ones that I've been in, it's like, you go through the sternum and post-op is (laughs) Well, it's interesting too, because I was reading, I didn't put all the I didn't put all the notes in here just because it like, it started getting to a point where it was just like over my head because it was like, a, it was a doctor's <laughs> paper. Uh, but it was talking about how, like, if you like, there's some incidences where like, if you release the, the 
the torsion too quickly, then the buildup of toxins mm, that mm-hmm. weren't shed can like cause like immediate issues, like under while under anesthesia. And I was like, holy yeah. crap. I mean, that's kind of similar but, to like a, a GDV, right? Like when we yeah. untwist it. I mean, it, it makes sense for it sure. It releases toxins and then we get those those VPCs from the toxins. But yeah, I can see that with, with a lung lobe torsion too. Yeah. A lot of times though, with these lung lobe torsions, especially too, because oftentimes these are not diagnosed quickly, we can see uh, some damage to the pulmonary parenchymal area mm-hmm. um and generally it usually ends up being severe enough that like trying to save the lung lobe specifically is just not it's just not an option <laughs> no because you definitely you do not want a necrotic lung lobe in the chest that yeah. would be horrible you don't want dehiscence you want none of that in the chest that sounds horrible but um, unlike a gdv you can actually remove a lung lobe and dogs do fine <laughs> like, right you can't, you can't remove, remove the stomach, stomach. <laughs> you can remove a little small section of the stomach but that's also higher risk than um for those patients but yeah, yeah. Uh, reoccurrence can happen, but typically, usually, typically, usually, wow, I'm like oxymoron and up today. Woo! <laughs> uh, typically you're going to see this like when a lobectomy was actually not performed. So when you do try to salvage that mm. lung lobe, there's higher incidences of reoccurrence of that lung lobe torsion versus obviously it's not going to reoccur if you take it out. <laughs> like <it's>, yeah. And, <laughs> and typically the other lobes aren't going to tours afterwards i mean that would suck because i mean like it makes sense that yeah. it would right because like we already said that like when there's like more space for the lung to move then it will yeah. move <laughs> right, so, like if you right. remove a whole lung lobe like realistically the other lobe lung lobes should be at higher risk of torsion but it doesn't happen like that mm. it's weird yeah it's interesting in my mind i guess oh the body <laughs> I don't know. And like post-op, I mean, I think post-op, this is where tech skills really come in too, right? Um, Because most of the times you're going to have chest tubes placed in these patients post-op because we're going to need to make sure, you know, we're not getting a bunch of air in our chest afterwards. We're going to, you know, remove as much of the fluid as possible. We can use some great pain control um, with the chest tube as well. I've done that where we um, can infuse the chest tube with uh, lidocaine or bupivacaine, um, post-op, uh, to kind of help with like the pain that's associated with thoracic surgery. Cause, um, it's not the lungs that are necessarily hurting, but it's like the ribs. Cause you have spread the ribs. I mean, that ugh, it is, it is well, not, it's not an easy surgery. Um, and then, you know, you're, you're monitoring, you know, pretty closely post-op for like fluid production, air production, any of that. Um, typically they've got those chest tubes for at least 24 hours. Um, so you're doing a lot of recumbent care. They might need oxygen depending on how well they're oxygenating. So there's a lot of like post-op stuff that, you know, there's that we're doing to make these guys comfortable. Um, but surprisingly, I feel like dogs do really well post-op. Like, I feel like people are definitely, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) people are like much more whiny about it. Dogs are like, okay, I'll get up and walk. 
you know, and they're using their front legs, which is definitely putting pressure on their chest. Oh, absolutely. So they do well, like just laying down well. in general has got to be difficult and they like lay on their chest all the time. It's not like, yeah, it's just a lot. Yeah. No dogs, dogs do amazing afterwards, which is crazy to me. I know it blows my mind. That one little pug that we have. Oh my God. He bounced back so quick. Mm -hmm. And that's something too, that you're going to have to talk to owners about. Like they've had a major surgery, like opening the chest is not minor stuff. Um, typically we're not doing it laparoscopically, although I, I believe you can do this surgery laparoscopically. Um, but most of the times we want to go in and, and really look around, but most of the times these guys like two days, three days afterwards, they're, they're acting like almost nothing happened, which is crazy to me. So it's going to be up to us and like owners to make sure that they stay calm. That two weeks people at least, at least two weeks. Cause you've cut into their sternum. <laughs> so yeah. that, that needs to heal. <laughs> well, he, um, he missed his two mile walks. I'm like, what are you doing? You're like drugs, give them drugs. <laughs> yeah. And that might, that might be something too, that, that you really have that discussion with clients and be like, look, we need to do sedation for this, for this dog, because they need to heal. I understand it sucks that you feel like you're just gorking them out right now, but really some sedation is going to do amazing for healing. <laughs> well, all they, all they need to do is eat and sleep. That's it. That's it. <laughs> Nothing yeah. else. They go to the bathroom, they eat, they sleep, they move around a little bit. So we don't get more like atelectasis from not moving, no pressure sores. But other than that, they just need to heal. <laughs> right. Like, just heal. It's the tip of the week. I think um, for tip of the week this week, I want to, Yvonne kind of touched on anesthesia and like making mm. sure that you have a good game plan. But like, I really think that something as simple as pre-oxygenating mm. a pet and like sitting with them for 10 minutes on flow by oxygen prior to these type of surgeries really do make a huge difference. So that's yeah. going to be my tip of the week is pre-oxygenation. Yep. And, and talking with your, your surgical team. I think that's huge. Mm -hmm. I think coming up with a solid plan for like, what if anything happens, right? Yep. Like making sure you are prepared for everything <laughs> yep. is always, because like, I mean, chest surgeries are just stressful in general. Whoever says that they're not like even slightly sweating during a, a thoracic surgery is lying. <laughs> <laughs> right. Their adrenal glands have given out. <laughs> yeah. I guess probably those people who do have like ventilators and stuff. I never had the pleasure. Oh God. I can't imagine doing surgery. I, no, that is not true. I have done thoracic surgery without a ventilator. Um, and I ended up with a blister on my thumb because I had to turn the knob yeah. to close the pop-off valve to give a breath and then open it because we didn't have the push button. Yeah. Um, and I'd like to never do that ever again. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not a fan of being... I like it when the brain just naturally does it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I get so neurotic about it too. I'm like counting. I'm like one Mississippi, two Mississippi. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. Right. And now for the question of the week. My question of the week, I kind of already said in the middle of this episode. Sorry, guys. Uh, but <laughs> they have time to it? think about it. <laughs> yeah. Now you've had time to think about it. Who is assisted with a GDV and lung lobe torsion in the same surgery? Somebody. And did the patient survive? And Ooh. how expensive was the bill? Ooh. 
all things I hope we never <laughs> find out. Right. Yeah, exactly. All right. All right. We, we did some long lobe torsion rapidly. I, I mean, we it's hard to talk about it other than kind of where we're already at. Yeah. So if you want to answer the question, just pop into the Facebook group or you can email us if you really want to <laughs> definitely let us know about um if you've seen it because that would be crazy um yeah yeah otherwise um hopefully we'll be talking to y'all next week <laughs> <laughs> i don't even know what's happening like jordan's keeping my head on straight right now which is kind of scary so i'm sorry i was jordan. gonna say am i <laughs> did i know you, this was i you doing? are <laughs> little did you know that you are my brain for a little while <laughs> oh my gosh good luck <laughs> all right well have a good week everybody get your learn on uh if you see let's see wait see jordan in where are you gonna be i'll be in ohio columbus ohio february 17th i believe is the day i'm lecturing yep february 17th which is a friday for a midwest veterinary conference and then i will be in tennessee february 10th through the 12th i'm lecturing I think it's saturday and sunday is when i'm lecturing yeah i'm work I, i'm doing saturday i have two lectures and then sunday i have a lecture and that's for the music city veterinary conference so if you're in tennessee please say hi because i won't know anybody there so <laughs> please please say hi to me so i don't sound so sad and pathetic all by myself and then i'm sure jordan would love to say hi to people as well <laughs> yeah I'll be so we're not just sad <laughs> and cold oh it's gonna be so cold oh yeah i don't All know right, what tennessee is gonna be like it's probably gonna be cold as well i don't know i'm probably just gonna be in the conference the whole time right <laughs> all, all right, right guys we'll talk to you all later hopefully next week. week keep getting your learn on and we'll talk to you soon bye, bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. If you like what you heard, we'd love for you to share with someone you think might enjoy the podcast and make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Want to give us a boost? Please leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher and we'll be sure to say thank you. Find out everything about us at internalmedicineforvettechs.com. Talk to you next week. Bye.